Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We had families who were now disconnected because they didn't have internet access or they did not have a computer. Or if they were connected, they were feeling that they were getting minimal instruction. And that's pretty much how the spring persisted. When schools were forced to close their doors this spring, most were unprepared to immediately move their classrooms online. Many students lacked the technology and the resources to be successful at home. And without an end date, some administrators, teachers, and parents were left without any information about how long school would continue virtually. In this episode, we talk to the head of the Detroit public school system, Nikolai Viti. When the pandemic began, roughly 90% of the more than 50,000 students in his district did not have access to the internet or to technology that they needed. And it's been a roller coaster ride, uh, a really of, of peaks and valleys. And I think the work is generally like that, um, but they, they've been extreme. Now a coalition of groups in the city are trying to make plans for every single student to have the digital resources they need for a successful school year. It's a huge undertaking, and it isn't just Detroit. Around 17% of all students in the United States have limited internet access, and that percentage grows among students of color and low-income students. Bridging that gap and providing equal access to tech will be a challenge for schools all across the country, in cities and rural areas alike. But it is also the only way to make this school year count for everyone. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. My colleague, Evan McMorris-Santoro, has been covering the impact of COVID-19 on schools since this pandemic began. So today, I'm going to hand things over to him to talk through some of the technological challenges schools and families are facing as they prepare to start a new school year online. It's no secret there's a massive digital divide in this country, that many households just do not have the resources or familiarity with technology that's required for students to seamlessly move online. We don't realize the privilege of having using technology sometimes in our work and our lives on an everyday basis. I talked to Lakeisha Young about this, She's the co-founder and executive director of the Oakland Reach, a parent-led group working to improve education for underserved communities in Oakland, California. That's a city where about half of all students either don't have a computer or lack reliable internet access. And we don't realize how much other households operate very differently. They do not use technology that way. And now we're saying, if your child's gonna learn, they can only learn through this computer. That is a very, very, very big leap. Since the spring, Lakeisha has been working with other parents to help make sure students in Oakland stay on track, even after schools stop teaching in person. Oakland Reach set up a virtual learning hub, a place where students and families can get the online support they need for school. It is so much more than putting a computer in a hotspot or any kind of internet access into a home. And it's a lot more than just having a Zoom link 
are having the classes. You have to support the families and being able to make that transition so this becomes a part of their daily home culture in this new normal. And I think that's the work that this hub does. The virtual hub provides computers and internet access to the students in Oakland, but it also helps students and parents become more comfortable with the technology. We've got your back. No matter what the issue is, I'll stay on the phone with you 45 minutes to help you figure out how to click on that Zoom link. Who's going to do that for our communities in the fall, right? Like, who's going to make sure that families get that kind of support? And when families don't get that kind of support and when families are feeling a level of shame, that's when people tend to just give up. It's a steep curve, and it's a steep curve for everybody. You know, this has been the hardest thing that I've worked through as an educator. I recently spoke with Dr. Nikolai Vitti, the superintendent of the Detroit Public Schools Community District. You know, I've been doing this for almost 20 years as a, as a teacher, as a principal, a dean, principal leader, you know, chief academic officer, superintendent. I've never dealt with anything like this. Even before the pandemic began, Vitti was already trying to address the lack of access to reliable internet and technology in his students' homes. COVID-19 has just exacerbated that existing problem. As of now, his district has made the decision to move to a hybrid model for the fall. That means parents in Detroit will have a choice. They can send their students to school in the classroom or keep them at home online. So I asked him, how will Detroit make sure that students choosing to stay home don't get left behind? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer. You know, the learning process for every child is different. And I do believe that for some children, um, the online learning process works better for them than even face-to-face. But I would say the vast majority of, of our students in particular prefer face-to-face uh, as opposed to online. What have you learned about what students at home need to be successful online students? For most students, they need an adult at home that can problem solve with them, keep them focused, and just support them, similarly to what you see uh, in the classroom. It's only natural for any child to become distracted when they're in class and maybe not understand something the first time it's taught. You know, if I were home during this pandemic when I was young, there was no way that my mother would have been able to really help me day to day in detail based on the fact that she didn't finish high school and just was never completely comfortable academically. And, and I know a lot of our students are in that same predicament. Just sort of ballpark at the beginning of this, how many of your students didn't have access to the internet or reliable access to technology? So when we first started, we were only seeing about 10 to 12% of students logging in, if you will, to online education. Um, and we were really, when we first shut down, we were relying on academic packets And then after about two weeks, we shifted to more pronounced online process where teachers were logging on with students uh, to facilitate the lesson that was connected to the lessons that were put together for online learning for the rest of the year, if you will. And then our our numbers increased to about 50%, um, at times 60%. So that's why providing the device, a tablet, and internet access is going to be critical as we move into the fall. How do we make sure the fall for students who are going to school online isn't like the spring? Well, one, you have to ensure that every child has access to a learning device and internet access. That is step one. I don't think we can talk about 
quality of curriculum, access to curriculum, quality of teaching until that first issue is addressed. And that has to happen in the urban core. It has to happen in suburban school districts and and in locations and rural as well. You know, not every one of our children are poor in Detroit. Uh, We have middle class and upper middle class parents that send their children to our school system. But in suburban America, it's not like every child is wealthy. (laughs) And it's not like every child, um, uh, every family has a device or internet. So I I think we got to make sure that there is equity of access to device and internet. Uh, Once that's established, then I think it's about clarity that teachers are going to have to teach in a, in a new and a different way online. So that means teaching throughout the day in a longer period of time, requiring office hours, if you will, or conference hours so that students have the space and time to ask questions more individually with teachers and accountability. I think there has to be more accountability for students and you know, understanding more accountability for parents uh, if they choose that option. If they don't have a choice, then that makes it a little bit more difficult. But if they're choosing online, I do think that we should expect a higher uh, amount of accountability, which is monitoring what, what children are doing at home if they so choose that option. And you're saying uh, one tablet per student? Is that sort of what you think? You know, I'm thinking about parents at home. They need one device for each student. Is that basically the way to do it the best? Yeah. So even if, let's say, you have um, three children and they're all in the school system, each of the three children will receive a device. And theoretically, all three of them have internet access as well. And you help with that if they don't have internet access? Yeah. So the way that that we identified the tablet was that the internet, um, it would be in and of itself a hotspot. Um, So so the, the hotspot is embedded in the device, and they immediately have access to the internet. So you've had to turn into kind of a tech company now. You have your own sort of geek squad taking care of all this stuff. What have you learned about the reality of technology and access to it in our society from just these few months of trying to turn your school system into a tech company? Yeah, I, I honestly, I would say that the digital divide reality in Detroit wasn't new. You know, there wasn't this awakening or epiphany of, of, of the divide uh, with our parents versus middle-class, upper-middle-class um, parents uh, throughout Michigan or, or, or throughout the country. And I would say, you know, optimistically and, and thankfully, I, I think one positive that has come from the pandemic is a sense of urgency on the business community's part to invest in, in the tablets and the internet access for our students. I don't think that would have happened had it not been for the pandemic although I would certainly take not having the pandemic. Um, But uh, one positive has been that investment. And I think our students now, at least on the surface, has the same access to technology that their suburban counterparts have. If you give these kids this technology, who's going to be there to teach them how to use it? And who is there to troubleshoot issues with it? I think we all know that, uh, and I see with my own children, is that there's just a comfort with technology and it's just, it becomes an opportunity to problem solve. So I think if, you know, our responsibility as, as a society, I think is to give all of our children technology and they can explore it and understand it and begin to use it at a level that, that meets their learning needs and their general curiosity. Two, you know, when we handed out devices, we were re- really clear that there's a hotline to call, no charge, 
um, call, ask questions about the device, uh, how you use it better, if it's not working, um, how to use it. And then in addition to that, uh, just the way in which the, the curriculum is going to now be accessible online is that the tablet is really going to be the new book. So instead of having four books, everything that is accessible through the four books is now on that tablet. Even when we come back to school face-to-face, we're going to continue to use the tablet. Are you optimistic about this upcoming school year? Oh. <laughs> um, it, you know, this has been the hardest thing that I've worked through as an educator. We're a month away from the opening of schools. We don't even know if we're going to be funded um, to offer online learning. We don't know if we're required to offer a face-to-face option. We don't know how we're going to count students in the fall. You have parents that want an online option. We have parents that want a face-to-face option. Uh, We have a group of teachers, some of which are willing and understand to do face-to-face, and some that are saying, there's no way I want to do face-to-face. So, you know, these are trying and difficult times, and that's left me not only frustrated but sad because I, I, I really feel like we all got into this as far as traditional public education in the urban core, and especially here in Detroit, because we knew that the school system was a vehicle for social change, for racial justice, for equal opportunity. And right now, it's just really hard to have that conversation because of the fear of COVID, because of the distrust of the federal government, the president in particular, uh, the lack of clarity, the planning. It's really difficult. And, and in the end, I, I believe that the individual family, the individual child is suffering now, um, will suffer in the fall. And I think that when I say suffer, from a statistical point of view, I don't think we're really going to understand that until the spring or next year. I'm petrified and and it's it's really haunting me uh, every night I go to bed if I sleep. And throughout the day, I continue to ask, how can we do more? How can we do this differently? What do I need to do differently uh, to reach our kids? Because as an educator, I just don't feel like we're reaching our children right now. We still don't know a lot about what this next school year will bring. As a parent myself, I'm worried about what this means for my own kids. And while I realize how fortunate our family is to have resources like internet and access to necessary technology, it's not something I take for granted. But not everyone has what they need to be successful this school year. And really, it's up to everyone, schools, governments, businesses, our own communities, try and make sure that no one falls behind. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.